You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. You know, we never use flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you, nor from anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Thank you, Jonathan, for reading that for us. I do keep it open. Um, this church in Thessalonica that the Apostle Paul is writing to, if you, if you don't know about them already, they were small, uh, but something big happened. Uh, Paul had gone there with his small ministry team, uh, and after about three weeks, uh, he had to leave because of hostile opposition. Yet in that time, God had started a church that trusted in uh, the Lord Jesus and something amazing happened. You hear about it earlier in, in the letter. I'll pop it up on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 8. Paul says this about them. That the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, the surrounding region, but your, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Uh, the message of the gospel, the good news of God's love, that it's possible to be rescued from the judgment that we deserve, forgiveness in Jesus, hope for this life and for the life to come. Many people got to hear it as it rang out from this church. And it, essentially you could say they, they sent out the message of the gospel and they even sent it out into the future. Because here we are in Cambridge in 2023 and we're still, in a sense, hearing the gospel from them, from this church. Friends, that's a big thing. And Paul says they became a model for other churches. So on this Sunday, as we think about our church family uh, together, hoping that God might use us to, to send out the gospel and even send it into the future, I want us to learn from them. And just look, listen 
to what Paul says about the way he operates and the way God operates and the way a model church operates. We're going to zoom in on verse 8 of chapter 2. So if you've still got that open, have a look at it with me. He writes this, Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Do you hear that? That's the, that's the kind of strategy. That's the big plan. Uh, that's what was going on in Paul's mind. Uh, sharing the gospel. Sharing lives. It doesn't seem that big, does it? It doesn't seem like it'd make much of an impact. Three things this evening. Here's the first one. Be- being a church means remembering God uses things that seem small. True story. Uh, Steve Whiteley was a heating engineer uh, from North Devon. I don't imagine uh, you will know him unless you were here this morning and you've heard the story already. But he was a heating engineer from North Devon and his friend invited him for a day out to the races. I don't think Steve was particularly into horse racing, but it was a day out. He thought it would be nice to see the, uh, the horses. So he went there. He didn't have much money with him. He had about two pounds in his pocket. You can check your own pockets. How much money have you got just now? Steve had two pounds and he decided to put it, put a bet on, he put it on a six-race rollover bet. If you understand that, what it means is six horses had to win, and the last horse was called Luptia. Uh, it was a 12-to-1 outsider and being ridden by a jockey called Jessica Lodge who'd never won a race in her life. But what did Steve care? It was just a day out, and it was only two pounds. Two pounds, nothing, is it? And then the first five horses won. That changes things, doesn't it? Five horses won. And the sixth race started. Luptia was trailing in fourth, coming into the final straight. And then she sped up, up into third. Then she slowed down. Then she sped up again. Imagine if you're watching it, up into second up into first, and then she tripped up. No, she didn't. (laughs) She won. Won the race by four lengths, and I'm not kidding you, but Steve's two-pound bet, I've written it down here so I get it right, turned into £1,445,671.71. That's not bad, is it, for two pounds? You can check it out if you don't believe me. It is true, true story. Now, I don't know how you feel when you hear a story like that. I love stories like that. I mean, I just think, I've, I've seen a wonderful photograph of this man. He looks very pleased. It's <laughs> two pounds, I don't care about it. 1.4 million he, he walks away with. I don't know how you feel when you hear a story like that. If it makes you think, look, I wish... I wish I could take, I wish I could invest two pounds like that so I got that kind of result. If you feel that, I can understand it, but if Paul was standing here today, he would say to his friends, you have got something much better. It's your life. And he's reminding these Christians in Thessalonica, he's saying to them, look, do you remember what we did when we came to you? We took our little two-pound lives. That's all they were. Our lives were just little things in the scope of everything that seemed to be going on around you. We took our little two-pound lives and we put them all on Jesus as we shared them and his gospel with you. And look what happened. 
something that has eternal value. And if he heard the story I've just told, Paul would say something that will outshine even the winnings that that Steve had from that horse race. Uh, He's saying that to them. Look, you Thessalonians, this is how God works. His people sharing the gospel and sharing lives. Do you remember that? Have you got that in your minds? Coming on Sundays. And maybe you go to Pathfinders or you're at Grafted in your small group. And when you do those things, it's like you're, you're putting your two-pound life on something secure. And you think, really? I was at Grafted on Friday night. I mean, it was all right. It was good. We played some games. It, it didn't feel that big. Or maybe you think, I, I've started going to a small group. Look, it, again, it's all right. We meet in somebody's house. The, the tea's okay. They're a bit stewed. And the biscuits are, are fine. Fine, I, I guess. But it, it doesn't feel that big. Look, how could something that small become something so big? And then you think, well, how could a carpenter from Nazareth, executed on a Roman cross, change the world? And yet he did. God uses things that seem small. And being a church means remembering God uses things that seem small. And it also means remembering, look, we're God's community of, yeah, it says hard-walking love there, doesn't it? Um, that should be had hard-working love. We're not perfect. (laughs) I didn't even spot it until somebody pointed it out to me. We're God's community of hard-working love. Look, this this idea of sharing lives and sharing the gospel, you think about it for more than five minutes, and you realize it's not always easy. It's not going to be easy. Paul says in in verse 2 of our reading, at times we face strong opposition as we shared the gospel. Later, he describes himself like an exhausted person parent. And you have a look at verse 9. He, he puts it this way as he's describing what life and ministry and, and sharing life within a church was like. What, what was it like? He says, you, you remember our toil and hardship. We, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to you. But it's easy to approach life this kind of way, isn't it? Uh, to be thinking uh, this sort of way, what, what's the most I can get out of this for the least cost to me? You, you know that way of thinking? I employ that kind of thinking when I'm, I'm wanting to get a new mobile phone contract. Uh, what, what's the most I can get out of this for the least cost to me? I, I, I use it when I'm thinking about pick and mix. I look at the prices and I think, well, there's the smallest tub. That's the least cost to me. What, what are the kind of sweets that we'll, I can pack in here? So I get the most out of this for the least cost to me. There's lots of things in life where you think, fair enough to operate in that kind of way. What's the most I can get for the least cost? The problem is if that way of thinking spills over into church life. You imagine that? What's the most I can get out of this for the least cost to me? Yeah, do you know what? I can, I can show up on Sunday and I... I get quite a bit out of it, and that's fine. I don't need to do any of the other things. That prayer meeting once a month on a Wednesday, I don't need to go to that. Or, or spending time talking to people at the end, I don't need to do as much of that. Um, and if we do that, we won't share our lives 
And we won't share the gospel either because you know the gospel is not that. Can you imagine someone asking, what's the good news of Jesus like? Maybe a friend says to you, look, you're a Christian, tell me, what is this good news of Jesus like? And, and saying something like this, it's about God saying, what's the most I can get out of people for the least cost to me? As soon as you hear that, you, you bristle, don't you? You think, no, that, that's not right. The gospel's not like that. Uh, the way God operates, it's not what's the most I can get out of them for the, the least cost to me. No, look, it can be hard work. But when you say things like, you know, I'm going to help with Sunday Club this year, or, or I'm going to show up at home group you know, on a Wednesday evening, even though it's been a long day at work, because, because there's people there that I might be able to encourage. What, what you're doing is that's putting your two pounds of a life, your little life, onto Jesus in that kind of way. It, if church life for you is never hardworking love, something's not right. And it's good for us to be reminded of that. Look at verse 11 with me. Paul describes his work in this way. You know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Don't know if you've ever had the experience, I'm sure you have, almost everyone has, where somebody says, oh, I, I bumped into someone the other day who said they know you. You ever had that? And the thought that goes through your head, unless you're incredibly secure, the thought that goes through your head is, I wonder who it was. And I wonder what they said about me. I wonder how they would describe me. And now you think about that for our church family. What would be a good way for us to be talked about? What would we hope about ourselves? What do we want to pray towards and aspire towards? Can, can you imagine if someone was to say, look, when I was at Christ Church, there was times I almost gave up on following Jesus, but my grafted leader kept encouraging me. There was just leaders that grafted every Friday when I went along. I never thought about it at the time that they'd already been at work all day, but they came to that every week and they were always encouraging me. Or somebody says, when I felt like my life was falling apart, I can't quite describe the comfort that came to me from the people in my home group who were always there. Or someone else who says, the times I know I was a right pain, I was proud, I was selfish. The kind of things I would say, the kind of emails I would send, I was proud and I was selfish. And yet they didn't give up on me. There's always somebody there who kept urging me to live a life worthy of the Lord, kept speaking to me about Jesus. And do you know what? Over time, I, I really grew and they help me feel the reality of the good news. If you, you think about that, that doesn't sound like a church where what's going on is what's the most I can get out of this for the least cost to me. It feels the other way around, doesn't it? It feels, what's the most you might get out of this despite the cost to me? 
If you're in a church like that, that, that's the kind of place where you, someone would be saying, look, they help me feel the reality of the good news that I'm forgiven by Jesus. Been adopted into God's family, that he loves me, that I'm being changed by his spirit. He really is at work. It must have been hard for them at times. But dear friends, how, how are we to live in this world? How are we to, to keep going following Jesus? How are we to battle our desire that we have inside us, where the, the desires we have to live just self-absorbed lives, to abandon our faith, to give in to temptation, to plunge into sin? How are children in our church family to grow as disciples of our Lord Jesus? How is Cambridge, how are the nations, how are the future to hear the good news? I think Paul would say one of the ways God has chosen to work is through churches where they're partners together in the gospel. Remembering God uses things that are small and that we are his community of, of hardworking love. Now look, for all of that, um, I still have some problems with this, uh, particularly this verse 8. I, I can hear all of that and I still have some problems. And I, I'll tell you what it is. Come back to verse 8 and just let me read the beginning of it again. Paul writes this. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you. And I'll tell you what my problem is. It's, it's one of the words there. It's that word delighted. Uh, some translations have it, you were so dear to us. But it's this sense of we, we really took delight in you. My problem is this, I can believe God uses things that seem small. And I can also gear myself up in all sorts of ways for some hard work. I can kind of force myself to do that. But I can't fake being delighted. I can't fake being delighted to do those kind of things. And so when I read that, it floors me because I think I just can't do it. And I think Paul would say, no, of course you can't. But the gospel, the good news about Jesus is, is never, here's what you do for God first. It's always the other way around. Here's what God will do for you as you trust the Lord Jesus. Being a church means remembering we need to be filled with the life of Jesus. Look, you look at Paul and you think, look, Paul... Where does this come from? Delighted, even with all this hard work and this inconvenience, and, and I think he would say, look, come on. You know. You know it didn't come from me. It's the Lord Jesus. That's where it comes from. It's the Lord Jesus. He's the one who has come. He's the one who really shared the gospel, and he's done it by sharing his life and all the way to his death on the cross. And get this, Paul would say, he was delighted to do it. Do you understand that? The Lord Jesus was delighted to share his gospel and share his life for you because you are very dear to him. Do you understand that? He was delighted. Nobody twisted his arm. He wanted to come with his Father's blessing and the power of the Spirit. 
And look, when Jesus Christ calls you to trust and follow him, it's not really your hard work he wants in the first place. It's your delight. It's your delight. It's that you share his delight. How do you get that? Last little bit, verse 13. Come and look at it with me. Verse 13, Paul writes this, we, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as a human word, but as it really is, the, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Uh, friends, look, any church that begins to abandon the Bible will eventually end up abandoning the Lord Jesus. But here's what Paul is saying. As we hear the Bible, God will so speak to us. And over time, his word will be at work in us in such a way that the life of Jesus will grow in us. Isn't that not something? He will speak to you, not just so it fills up your head, but it would fill up your heart with his kind of life. You'll start to take delight in the things Jesus delights in. His delight will become our delight. If you are sort of new to Christ church. Look, the, the story you're part of is, is a delightful story in all sorts of ways. Some of us will, will know this story or know more of it. Some of us won't. But if some of you will know 20 years ago, if, if you were at Christ church, and I don't think any of us here tonight really were, but 20 years ago at Christ church, if you came on a Sunday, it was just 20 to 30 people. One, one service in the morning, it, it was very small. It, it was really very small, but but God often uses things that seem small. And among those people, most of you won't know them, were an older couple called Brian and Margaret, Margaret Butler. If you don't know them, that's a picture of them from a few years ago. They, with others, hoped and prayed that God would one day fill this place with life and the gospel and families and children, all sorts of things going around. 20 years ago, there was just about 20 or 30 of them thinking like that. And you could have looked at them and thought, some chance. And yet here you are. Here you are. And there's some of the rest of us, over 400 of us in our church family. And you think, how does that happen? Well, because often, often God uses things that seem small. And there was a community of hardworking love who were trusting him and, and praying. And here you are. It's quite a thought. If, if you think, why have I ended up in Christ church? Why am I here? Why am I Christian today going along with these things? It, it, you might think about the choices you make. But here's part of your story. It might be just that God was answering Brian and Margaret's prayer way back then. And that's part of the reason you're here. And look, here we are. And we're not that impressive we're not perfect. We, we get things wrong. We're still small, I think, even the church we are just now in the life of Jesus. But we remember God uses small things. We're a community of, of hardworking love and we want to be filled with the life of Jesus. And so that's the direction we're heading in this year and with the things we're going to be doing. And so two small things just to start us. One is this little leaflet you were given 
uh, when you came in. We had one of these last year. It's kind of small enough to put in your pocket. It's bright enough if you put it on your fridge, it will draw your attention to it. It's not quite a full map for the whole year, but it gives you a sense of some of the things we're, we're going to do. And we want us to, to partner together in these things. We used these kind of phrases last year, connect and engage, things that are just trying to encourage a relationship, sharing life. Don't put those off, come along to them. Uh, that connect at home, afternoon tea, you might be thinking, I don't like afternoon tea. Well, that's all right. It's not really just about that. It's about a relationship. So or we think about some of the explore things we're going to do this year. We're wanting to share the gospel as well. It's part of the reason for Nev's appointment and him joining us. Not that he'll do it all, but so with someone else amongst us who's helping us think how we can reach out, share the gospel with others. Have a look at that. That's just a couple of things we can be doing. And the second thing is, if you were here, I think it was about 10 years ago, on a Sunday like this, we, we sometimes have a little giveaway. And, and 10, I think it was about 10 years ago, there was a tea towel. Of all things, a tea towel that had the kind of church logo on it. And there was some information and a verse for the year. And people still talk about them. I had one this morning and I sent it away again. Has anyone here still got one of those tea towels? Has somebody brought one with them? No, nobody's brought Lots of you... Uh, not that one, not that one. Uh, so one of the, uh, if you've still got all the, people, people love them and we thought this year, let's have a new one. Uh, so if you've still got the old one, so um, this evening before you leave, uh, you can pick up your new tea towel. It's a funny thing, isn't it? It's almost as funny, it's almost as funny as having um, a boat up at the front of the church. Look, and it's got our verse on it. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our lives as well. It's a tangible thing, something to hold on to, something to take home in all sorts of ways. It's one of those things about sharing life, drying the dishes together. You can be talking about things. It'll be a reminder if you're drying the dishes on your own, you think maybe next week I could invite somebody around. They could dry the dishes with me. Maybe those of you who are younger and you're asked, could you dry the dishes and everything inside you thinks, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And maybe you'd say something like this, yes, I'd be delighted to do that. And if you don't feel delighted, it would just be another prompt to say, Lord Jesus, you've said you wanted to fill up my life with your life. I don't feel delighted about all sorts of things I should feel delighted about. Would you grow your life in me? He will answer that prayer. And we're going to stop there. Um, I'm going to lead us in a short prayer before Darren comes back up. Uh, make sure you take one of those little leaflets. Make sure you pick up your tea towel. Guaranteed to become a collector's item uh, before you leave. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. For free. It's for free to take away. It's it's yours. Um, oh Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for uh, the good news of the gospel. And in the end, Lord, it, it is not really what you ask us to do in obedience to you that floors us. It's what you've already done for us that floors us. You're the darling of heaven loved by your Father, and yet you came for us to be a servant, to be our slave. 
in order to rescue us. And it is beyond measure to just think about it that you say you'd be delighted to do that because we're very dear to you. And please, would you motivate us as a church family, not because of just duty or guilt, but out of love for you and that the gospel would change us and help us to work as partners together for your kingdom. Amen. Thank you, David. The, the band are, are coming back up, and in a moment we're going to sing um, in response to what we've been hearing uh, from God's words. And 